Superheroes, it's the Coaching for Geeks show, and we've got another special guest today. It's Josh Whitley from Autonomous Stuff. Hello, Josh. Hi, how's it going, Robin? Great, thank you. Uh, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm, I'm uh, about halfway through my work day, but uh, I'm happy to take time <laughs> out to to visit your show. Thanks very much. And you're the uh, the lead software engineer there. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so what does Autonomous Stuff do? So Autonomous Stuff, um, we say that we are the, the world's leader in supplying components, engineering services, and software that enables autonomy. So there's, there's a lot to that, but basically uh, we want to help any company that wants to get into any type of autonomy, not just road vehicles, and we want to help them by supplying everything they need from top to bottom for creating an auto- autonomous vehicle. So, am I going to be able to get a Johnny Cab like in in, <laughs> in Total Recall? Is that yeah. what you're saying? We hope so. Yeah. Uh, so, so we don't we don't make production vehicles. So we're not selling uh, the vehicles outright to to customers like yourself. Uh, but we sell to the large automotive suppliers, the OEMs, the Tier Ones, mm-hmm. uh, lots and lots of company names that you've probably heard of. All of which I can't say. <laughs> Because we work in the research and development space, we're working with a lot of them on their early research projects um, into autonomy. Um, there are a lot of, of startups in Silicon Valley and so on that, that we've worked with, all the way up to NASA and NVIDIA. And nobody wants to give the game away. They want to play <laughs> the hand too early. That's exactly right. <laughs> also, it's, it's, it looks like, you know, this is not my area of expertise, but obviously I've done a little bit of research and it looks really complex. We've got not only all the, all the standard things that go with road transport, but we've also got like sensors, radars, lasers, odometry, instrumentation, control systems, AI, wireless and wired communications, road safety, even ethics comes yeah. into it. Where, 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 does, where do you begin, man? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Autonomous Stuff uh, was started in 2010 by, by just our CEO. He was the only employee at the beginning, and uh, he started selling sensors because there was a, um, a challenge put forth by the um, Defense Agency for Robot... I can't remember exactly what it stands for, but <laughs> DARPA from the U.S., mm. uh, the U.S. government. They funded this challenge to say... Anybody who thinks they can come and build an autonomous vehicle and drive it across the desert by itself. So uh, that was in 2005, I believe, uh, Mm -hmm. was the first one. And um, our CEO was involved in uh, getting the sensors and making them available to the teams uh, Mm -hmm. in the DARPA Grand Challenge. Um, He saw a lot of them struggling to be able to get access to single sensors like radar, LIDAR, GPS units, IMUs, etc. And uh, because he saw that struggle, it looked like a gap in the market to him where um, these big companies who sell their sensors only wanted to sell 100,000 units a year, right? Mm -hmm. They don't care about Mm -hmm. the small guys. 
So they started, uh, Bobby founded the company and created relationships with these companies and then was able to get one to 10 units at a time. It's awesome. Spotting a gap in the market and, yeah. and then filling it. So, you know, I am with a previous hat on, I've worked with similar organizations in the UK with sensors mm-hmm. and, you know, military type, type events where they're, they're just using off the shelf components. They're going down the, the map planes that we have in the UK potentially, right. um, Oh, what'd you call it? The, uh, uh, the electronic shack. What's the, the radio, radio shack, radio shack. Radio literally shack, going yeah. down the radio shack and putting yeah, yeah. these sensors together with off the shelf right. components and then trying them out in the field. So that's awesome that he's getting those, those big manufacturers down to, uh, to small, small unit size that, that people can then use mm-hmm. and experiment with and try out that they wouldn't, usually have the opportunity to i'm getting quite excited about this <laughs> I'm like, oh, we do too great. Yeah. everybody everybody in our company loves their jobs and that's not that's not an exaggeration like we we want to make sure that everybody has a good time we have uh, we have uh, happy hour on fridays <laughs> so um anyway we started out that way and then last year it's at, at uh, the consumer electronics show in las vegas uh, we introduced a full vehicle that you could buy straight out from us at uh, around 160,000 US dollars. So mm-hmm. close to, <laughs> I think close to 200,000 pounds. Yeah. No, less than that. So anyway, um, uh, we introduced that platform and you can buy with all the sensors on it, everything already integrated and the computing and now even the software, which is where I started. So if I were a little bit more well off, and I bought that vehicle. Would I be able to take it out on the road? Would that be able to take me down to the shops, take me to the office, take me where I need to go? So there's a, there's a little bit behind that question. <laughs> First of all, it depends on where you live. Um, so the, the legislation is different in each state in the U.S. and mm-hmm. in each country. Um, I think the U.K. doesn't have anything in place just yet, which means if it's not in place, it's not illegal. Right. Let's get the checkbook check out. Uh, I'm sick of the tube. Yes. <laughs> so that's one part. The other part is we don't have everything ready to make a fully what they call level five autonomous vehicle. Mm. So we have uh, the, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration of the U.S. released a set of levels of what they consider levels of autonomy. Ah, level um, five is wheel optional. I did some yes. research. <laughs> yes. I did my research. <laughs> yes. Level five means everything is completely autonomous, no human fallback. So if something goes wrong with the vehicle, it's expected to pull itself over to the side of the road and let you know, rather than you having to take control. Mm-hmm. So um, by the end of this year, Autonomous Stuff plans to have a level four vehicle, which is still no human fallback. But uh, we should be able to drive around. We're, we're based just outside of Peoria, Illinois, which is about two hours south of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be able to drive around Peoria by, without, without ever touching the wheel. Oh, exciting times. So where, where's, the, where's that £200,000 <laughs> car? What's, what level is that at, at the moment? That is just the base car plus the by-wire system to control it through software. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't include any sensors, no software on top of it, just the car and the bywire system. 
So I'm going to have to wire it up myself. Yes. Well, yeah, to some extent, yeah. So we can do the full, we can do everything on top, including the, the control software and everything, and that's going to cost you close to 750000 US dollars. All right, give me a couple of years. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, so it's not cheap. It's not on the consumer side, but like I said, we're doing research and development. That's what mm. we're for. And this is where it all begins, right? You've got to do the testing, we've got to do the research, we've got to do the development, we've got to see what right. works, what doesn't, what's going to happen in those crazy situations that that we maybe thought of, maybe didn't. Yeah. <laughs> How are we going to maneuver our way through them with with style and grace? Yeah. And, That's and, what safety testing is for. Yeah. <laughs> and balloon cars. Balloon cars? Yeah, fully fully blow up inflatable cars that we do test, crash testing with. <laughs> Imagine clowns are going to come pouring out of them. Yeah, <laughs> kind of looks like that. <laughs> so, what? How did how did you end up doing this? How did you end up working with autonomous stuff? In so, what sounds like I'm excited just already. Like from <laughs> you talking about this stuff, you clearly enjoy what you do. Um, yeah, absolutely. What's been your journey? So uh, I started in uh, the IT industry when I was 15 years old. Um, <laughs> I got my first job uh, installing register systems. But uh, I've, I've always wanted to be in, um, in computer hardware and software. I, I knew that was where I wanted to be since I was 10 and my stepdad bought our first uh, uh, 486DX2 oh, with yeah. the turbo button on it. <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I always knew I wanted to be there, and for a long time I worked um, at, a, at a nonprofit organization in here in Illinois that uh, I was their IT administrator for about seven years, um, putting together server racks and doing database administration, website development, all sorts of things. Mm. Um, then I worked in a software development company because I felt like I wanted to move more into the software development space where I had a little more creativity. Um, and while I was there, I was part of a robotics club that was based in Peoria, which is where the company's based. And uh, our CEO had a lot of hardware engineers, but he didn't have anyone in software. So he had two of the hardware engineers come and join the robotics club looking for software guys. <laughs> so that's how I got into this. and and. I've always wanted to do something that's kind of a, a crossover between hardware and software, and I feel like this is perfect for that. Sure, that's great. It's like it always sounds like you were you just doing a job, and and then this opportunity arrived through exploring, you know, sort of extracurricular activities. Yeah, <laughs> almost. yeah, almost. That's how we find uh, quite a few of our people, actually. Um, we want people who have a passion for this kind of thing outside of their, their normal daily jobs. You know, mm -hmm. They want to be doing this full-time and sometimes then some. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're not like a Silicon Valley company where you expect, we expect like 60 to 80 hours of work, you know, work week out of you. We're pretty reasonable. Good, good. And they're giving you the time to come and talk to me. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I, I really do love the working for the company and um, I feel like I'm getting to kind of do my dream job. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it when people say that. <laughs> doing my dream job. Like, yeah, you, you did it right, man. You did it right. <laughs> Something really important though I want to mention is that, that I did not finish my degree. So I, I don't have a degree in computer science. I am uh, after... 
about 30 or 40 hours of college. Um, I, I started a little young and, and didn't end up very, very good at the end of my college days. Um, <laughs> but everything else has been self-taught. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to stress that. Like People ask all the time on Reddit and different social media, like, can I start learning software and I'm already in my 30s or you know, I'm in a different field? It totally can, and you can get hired by companies like just just reading self time. Yeah, I, I work with a lot of people who are in a very similar situation. I myself, I dropped out. Uh, <laughs> I work with lots of people who are either the, the coding or software development, whether it's on games or with big organizations mm-hmm. in various sectors, defense, engineering. Um, just tooling around and they've all been self-taught and they always yeah. seem to be the better ones. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like that too. I don't want to say that, that a college degree is not the right thing to do, but uh, if, you, if you're really passionate about it and you want to learn every aspect and every corner of a subject, I feel like that, that gives you the best opportunity to, um, to move into something like this. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not you're not restrained by the the syllabus that yeah. the college wants to teach you. you. Yeah, exactly. You pick and choose what's right for you and where you want to go, mm-hmm. and you could end up writing software for automatic cars and other vehicles. Absolutely, we've got a few positions open right now. If anybody out there is looking for something, <laughs> to get a referral fee. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no plugs allowed. Right. Damn it. <laughs> but we will include all the details for uh, for the company in the show notes. If anybody does want to get in touch, find out more about what you do, um, maybe apply for a, a job at an awesome company and work with Josh. Yeah, that's great. So what's what's next in the field of automation? So there seem to be a lot of road trials going on around the world. I know that here in the UK, not far from where I live, we've got the little delivery robots are out and about, uh, Hermes and Amazon and Domino's, et cetera, are all trialing those out at the moment. So where's it going? What's the future? Perhaps look at um, Ooh, crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> so we get that question a lot, man. Um, everybody wants to know, like, when are fully autonomous vehicles going to be available on the market when I can mm. go buy one, right? Um, the answer is, it depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you ask Nissan, they say 2020, but they also said that automated vehicles would be available in 2020. And they don't say what level, they don't say what features, just <laughs> automated vehicles, quote unquote. So uh, if you ask Ford, there's never going to be any middle level of automation. They're going to go straight from regular human-driven cars to fully self-driving cars, no mm-hmm. in-between. Um, so that may be 2022, 2025, no, nobody really knows. Um, but there will definitely be steps in between. There are a lot of companies who are, who are making partially autonomous vehicles, who are making vehicles with additional autonomy safety features, um, and some of those are already on the road now. There's, there's automatic emergency crash mitigation, there's um, uh, automatic emergency braking, uh, there are some vehicles like Tesla that's starting to do lane centering with, with full highway autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty early out there, but there are others who are, who are just about to come out of the market that are, that are going to be at the same level. 
Um, so nobody knows exactly what the future holds, but <laughs> but in the next five to seven years, you're going to see a, a slow turnover of the market with, with features being added bit by bit. Mm, exciting times to uh, to be in the field and as a, just just as a, a bystander seeing uh, all of these things develop and get patched in and stuck on and integrated and and, and become you know you buy a new car that comes a standard eventually yeah. that's uh exciting that's exciting for me because i <laughs> hate to drive yeah i totally understand <laughs> one other thing that people worry about a lot is the the ethics as you mentioned in the beginning mm. um so there are a couple of reasons that that really isn't going to be a big deal for quite a while. Um, one, if a car comes into a situation where it has to choose between harming the, the thing in front of it and harming the person inside, most of the time it won't know what the thing in front of it is. It will know that there's an obstacle, but won't know whether it's a, a human or a car, etc. Mm -hmm. Some sensors can do that level of classification, but most often they'll just say, there's a thing, it's this wide, don't hit it. <laughs> uh, and it will do everything it can to keep from hitting that while keeping the passenger safe. Mm -hmm. When we get to the point where cars understand that level of classification and know that this is a human or this is a, this is a wall, um, those situations where that's going to matter are going to be so impossible to actually come into that it should never be an issue it, mm -hmm. if you if you come into a situation where not only are you still moving fast enough that you could do damage to the person inside the car but you're also going toward something outside the car that matters then the software hasn't done its job up to that point sure it's about looking ahead predicting reading everything from all the available sensors on board and off boards, yeah. etc., and just going, we know what's happening. Right. And when we design these vehicles, we're looking out far enough that you can be driving at 100, 120 kilometers per hour and, uh, and see far enough ahead to make decisions on the highway. So when you're driving in urban environments where there are more likely to be pedestrians or children or animals, it's looking so far ahead and making decisions based on obstacles, you know, 150 meters in front of you. There's so little chance that, that anything like that's ever going to happen. Excellent. Well, I feel safer already. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to our minority report style future without... <laughs> the bleakness that goes with it yeah we hope so <laughs> so um what advice would you have for somebody who's maybe setting out on their on their career path who's got an interest who who, who maybe like me like like you possibly didn't know exactly what they want to do yet um my advice would be do things that are fun to you if you start learning a new programming language, don't do the typical exercises that they give you that, you know, you finished the course, now go write this standard program that everyone <laughs> has written 10 million times. Find something that's interesting to you and write software for it. 
if you do that and you put it in a publicly available place like GitHub or Bitbucket, you can hand that to an employer and say, look at this awesome thing I made from scratch that is important to me. And they see that as much more valuable than I completed this course and did what they told me to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a rule breaker, but I create awesome stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, take your own path, do things that are fun to you, and you should strive to find the job that, that you love doing every day. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's what it's all about. Find something that's, that you enjoy, that you love, mm -hmm. whether you're making a difference to the world, to the world of automation, uh, world of robotics, or, or just to one person. That's, that's what it's all about. Exactly. Awesome. So um, how can people find out more about what you do and who you are? Because I've seen you've been quoted all over the internet. <laughs> Starting to get that way, yeah. Um, so you can look at Autonomous Stuff's website at autonomousstuff.com uh, with one S. Um, or you can check out... Uh, my LinkedIn page. Uh, if you go to LinkedIn and search for Josh Whitley of Autonomous Stuff, uh, you should be able to find me there. Um, and I'm also on Twitter at twitter.com slash ubijosh, O-O-B-I-E-J-O-S-H. Oh, that's how we came to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Follow on Twitter. Give me a follow. We'll put all those links in the, uh, in the show notes so people and track you down. God, that's flown by. That's <laughs> that was quick. That was really quick. Um, I, I'm excited about the future and what it holds. I can't wait for my Johnny cab and my car that goes up the side of a tower block <laughs> <laughs> with Tom Cruise standing on it. Talk to, people in, talk to the people in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably have a robotic Tom Cruise by then. Yeah, yeah. maybe. So, is there anything else you'd like to add, Josh, before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think I think I got most of it out. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me on Twitter. Awesome! Thank you ever so much for your time. Uh, love it. Um, any geeks listening, you know where to find us by now. It's at cfgshortcut.com for our Facebook group. Uh, and in the meantime, be awesome. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.